The secret effect sometimes covers family violence, which could be triggering to someone who has experienced abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Katie Greenland. I'm a sociologist, writer and researcher. And I'm Liz Camry. I'm a professional comedian, but I spend my spare time making people uncomfortable talking about true crime or fucked up shit that people do. This is where we come together because when I was 28 years old, I discovered that my dad had another secret family. This experience inspired my PhD, which is called Family Secrets, Secret Families. And with this, I explore the impacts of major family secrets on people's lives. We realize the importance of our voice when we are silenced. And this inspired me to put on fluffy socks, take my bra off, and get excited to listen. Welcome to The Secret Effect. (laughs) (laughs) So last week we talked a lot about direct-to-consumer home DNA test kits, their availability, the fact that millions of them are getting sold and so more and more people are discovering um, family secrets through Mm -hmm. these kinds of tests. So we'll see a lot more um, major impacts for people as we go forward probably if this continues, which it's likely to. Um, And we talked a lot about um, your dad, actually. Did we? Was that that? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the legend. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. the legend. Yeah. Um, Welcome to Betwixie 4. Mm-hmm. A continuation of DNA tests. And the ripple effects, or the secret effects, mm-hmm. that they have on people. Yes. Exactly. Uh, and we wanted to pick up on DNA again, because there are so many issues, and we've had a few people get in touch with us. Um, to ask us um, some questions around um, DNA and there's some questions around anonymity in particular. So we wanted to talk about, is this the end of anonymity? Is everything thrown open because of the availability of DNA tests? And we think it's a really, really good question. And a few years ago, um, some scholars based in the UK wrote a fantastic article, which we will link to, It's called The End of Donor Anonymity, How Genetic Testing is Likely to Drive Anonymous Gamete Donation Out of Business. Gametes are reproductive cells, um, both male and female, so eggs and sperm. And of course, both can be donated and used to produce a child. Um, So the idea in this article is that there is no possibility for anonymous donation anymore. This is what the authors are actually proposing, that there is no possibility for anonymity. Forget it. Forget privacy. Forget donating um, on the lowdown. Um, forget having maybe a one-night stand and then, you know, the child never being able to find out who their genetic parent is. Um, because DNA tests are so widespread now and so easily accessible, this article really suggests that it's forcing the hand of honesty and openness, which kind of sounds amazing because people are always going to be able to find out who their parent is. And yet for people who've donated under the um, promise of privacy 
and anonymity, this is a really big issue. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to kind of tease this out a little bit. Yeah. Should it be something that you can do to make... I mean, what do men make when they donate sperm? Like 200 bucks? Is that a lot? 150 for some sperm? For one load? <laughs> How much do you get for a load? And also, yeah. do like... Yeah. Do they like weigh your load and then you get a little bit more if you have some extra swimmers in there? <laughs> That'd be amazing if you just had like a heavy load and you walked out of there super like flaunting 300 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> you know, I don't know that all men get paid for the sperm donation that they perform. What? Um, well, I mean, not all sperm donation happens um, formally through formal channels there are so many websites now you can just kind of jump online and there'll be these people wanting to um share their seed you can really they just want to put their seed out there yep absolutely and there's actually some really dodgy guys who say i'm i'm only going to do it the natural way and so they will only have sex with you in order to donate their sperm smart i mean how much is wrong with this picture little fuckers yeah um, but I mean, there's so many informal channels as well where friends um, will agree to donate for friends. When you say so, informal, is some of that illegal? Is it illegal to do it off the books and like give it to a doctor? Say like, hey, my best friend Jason is going to donate to me and my wife's, uh, you know, potential pregnancy, and we would actually just like do his his his, his firm. He doesn't want to get paid or anything. And is that illegal or is that is that fine? No, it's not illegal. I mean, yeah. it's just um, it's just that there c- could be some issues down the line because if Legalities. there's no right, yeah. right if there's no contract or some kind of kind of agreement set up that sets out what role each person will play in a child's life as yeah if there is a child produced from this mm-hmm. um, activity, um, then I think it can really get problematic and. There's about as many different types of cases going through the courts all around the world as there are types of families and types of setups. Mm-hmm. Um, the law is catching up very quickly because there's so many different scenarios that can happen um, where people maybe donate and they want to be hands off and then a child is produced from their donation and they really want to be in the child's life. Mm. Maybe they want to take over the child. Whoa. Maybe they want to um be take a completely different role in the child's life than they originally planned to and Mm -hmm. they are the genetic parent and so there can be some really problematic issues there so it's complicated like everything when it comes to family secrets i think that's it's always complicated it's always complex yeah yeah Um, human emotions are complex that's why it's so hard to get ahead of any of them yes exactly with any kind of like boundaries and it's too hard most situations are a thumbprint for sure and how you feel at one point and how you feel later on in life can change i mean we all evolve as people as well i don't want to kind of demonize these people who are donating their their eggs or their sperm and then change their mind down the track because Mm -hmm. change is growth Mm -hmm. as a person you're you're developing as a person and Maybe you didn't think you would have particular feelings or a particular attachment or a desire. And then maybe it just happened. So Yeah, or even like, what are the sticky situations? There's so many different situations that there could be. What about a sticky situation where, you know, you have 
your best friends are lesbians. They want your sperm. You give it to them. You still kind of want nothing to do with the baby, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's nothing in place. Nothing is put in place. And what if both of them perish? And it's like, does that child go with you? Is that... Are there terms set up ahead of time? This is obviously just like one random scenario Mm -hmm. that I've come up with in my head right now, but... For sure, for sure. I mean, maybe the lesbian couple decide, well, this this man is actually a parent of um, the child as well, and therefore he should pay child support. I mean, there's so many different scenarios where it looks really different once the child is in existence, and... I think that's the really complicated thing because this is somebody, it's their life. It's not just, you know, genetic material. It's not just sperm or an egg. This is actually a real life person. Um, And decisions are being made about them that are um, fundamental. It's who is a parent, who should be, who shouldn't be. Like these questions are really, really major and um, fundamental, I think, for thinking about who we are and how we define ourselves in a family. It feels overwhelming so, to get to be able to get ahead of that. How would you get ahead of any of these circumstances and also who gets to decide and who mm-hmm. is right mm-hmm. or wrong? Um, I mean, I guess that's lawmaking in general, but mm-hmm. it just feels infinite. Mm-hmm. And overwhelming to think you know, all these different situations and how do you cover them and can you? Mm. I don't think the law is sophisticated enough to cover every scenario. And I think there, in so many countries, there's state law and then there's federal law. Mm. And sometimes every state has a different law. Sometimes the federal law doesn't cover it. And the scenarios are emerging too quickly. Yeah. So it's a very, very complicated area. And I think... It's a fascinating area because this is an area where um, people's human rights, um, motherhood, fatherhood, parenthood, um, you know, there are so many things right here at the intersection, genetics, law, there are so many things at this intersection that are so interesting. And I think this idea of family secrets is really at the the center of this. Mm-hmm. Um some of the things that the authors in this particular article, some of the, the issues that the authors talk about that they identify is that there are donor-conceived people who have not been informed of their status as a donor-conceived person and perhaps they just get contacted via one of these DNA tests. Does um, donor-conceived mean? Um, it's a person who has been... Um, conceived with the use of donation whether sperm or egg Um, so it's the kid yes okay yes yeah so when this this kid grows up when they're a teenager and adult um, in many places they're able to access the information about their biogenetic origins and learn a little or a lot depending on where they live about their um, the person who donated genetic material to create them but this is when people go through formal channels and there are records kept if the parents have gone through or parent has gone through informal channels to create their child no such records are kept so 
I think that's also really interesting because it must be so difficult to know that you're not really able to trace your own origins mm. in the same kind of way. Um, so people can find out, people who have been donor conceived can find out that they were donor conceived through DNA testing because people could uh, do a DNA test, a home DNA test, look at the results, look at the familial relationships, work out who is actually um, a sibling or a child and get in touch. And that can open up a can of worms because the person will say, hold on, my mum told me she wasn't sure who my dad was or I have just always had two mums and I've never known about the dad or um, I just thought I had... I grew up with my biological mother and father, but actually there's something else. I was conceived with the use of donors, but maybe they don't know that yet. They just know that their biological parent isn't who they thought it was. Yeah. So it's quite extraordinary. And this is one of the reasons that these artic- these authors are proposing the idea that um, DNA test kits and their availability means the end of anonymity and that donors should also be advised that there is no such thing as privacy. There have been some critics of this perspective. Some people say, well, not everybody's going to get a DNA test. Some people just don't want to know. Some people don't pursue that much when it comes to exploring their genetic origins. So it's too bold of a claim to say that anonymity is coming to an end, but I don't know. I think that the risk is really there. Well, not the risk, but I think it's mm. it's a very good point that they make. Um, these authors were writing in 2016 and so many more test, DNA tests have been sold and used and the numbers are increasing. So Yeah. But it has to be one of those things where you advise people that true anonymity does not exist anymore truly and like um you know it, you may or may not be contacted down mm-hmm. the line exactly <clears throat> i definitely thought about donating my eggs when i was in college it was like 10 grand an egg mm-hmm. and i was like shoot mm-hmm. yeah take it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah go ahead and then my sister was like um bird <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to just like have a kid out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in my head at the time, I was like, "Yeah, but how many Wawa iced teas can I get with my, <laughs> with ten grand?" <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's so true. And what stopped you in the end? The the insecurities about how new the process was. So mm-hmm. everywhere I read it said, like, um, taking an egg from a woman is still a new process and you only have so many eggs and there could be, like, repercussions down the line to your health that we don't know about yet because all mm-hmm. of it is quite new on the female side. You have to take hormones, you have to do all these different things. It's like a six-month process of actually, like, taking the egg out of you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that whole thing, I was like, I'm in really good health, and why would I risk it? Um, Mm -hmm. I have a good support system, so I guess 10 grand can wait for Mm -hmm. me. Yes, for sure. It is a very invasive process, and this is a process that many women will go through for IVF, where they 
you have to take hormones all the time like your your daily life is affected so much by yeah. constantly having to self-inject hormones throughout the day um i think your personal life would be affected a lot your yeah. moods relationships all of these things not to mention um the actual harvesting process itself it can be quite intense from what i'm told yeah. so yeah yeah i'm not surprised that yeah you really thought about that um i've considered it as well because i um there's been people in my life and i knew that they had um fertility issues and i thought maybe this is something that i can do for people that i know and i think um in your case you considered it for people that you probably wouldn't know yeah and i considered it for people that i would know and i think both bring up really interesting issues when yeah. you think about uh-huh the genetic consequences for what we're doing not just genetic but the life consequences yeah if we'd both gone ahead and done this yeah. someone close to me more than one person maybe i might have been the genetic mother yeah. of a child even though they're the mum and same in your situation as well there could be however many baby biddies floating <laughs> around out there which actually sounds really cute when you say it like that, but these like real life children. Just going around being like, chicken. Yeah. Chicken. Um, yeah, so it's actually quite a significant um, thing to think that about. That must be so interesting because I've thought about like surrogate moms and stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's seen friends, but um, like, I guess that, that would be really hard to see um to see like uh your kid and I know for me I feel like if I saw a kid that I gave birth to I would be like I need them to know Mm -hmm. I need them to know that I'm their mom yes because I I love them I have like I you know I didn't really care about kids at all like, I nannied and stuff, and I cared about their well-being, and I adored them, and I wanted them to, like, be successful in, in all in everything that they did. But there wasn't, like, a love, 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 love there until, like, my sister started having kids, nieces mm. and nephews. And then it was, like, I needed everything for them. I needed to drop every day of my life. Like, I was obsessed with them, which I had never felt before about anything until they were born. And I just couldn't imagine that, like, especially like giving, being close to mm-hmm. um, somebody, like if your friend needed and you, and you carried their child and gave birth to them or whatever. Um, and then just seeing them all the time and being like, hi, every hello. Yeah. I would have to hold my back, myself back from being like, hi, I'm your real mom. which also like what does real mom it's you know real isn't true their real mom is the for me the one that's Uh raising them and loving them on a day-to-day basis but yeah be like hi i'm your genetic mom um which would be so so hard i think you would have and i'm i'm sure you would have such a special connection Mm -hmm. with that child that would feel different to the connections that you have with other really important kids in your life because this is special. This is yeah. child that hopefully um, not the type of connection that we talked about with that mom and her son last time. Right. <laughs> hopefully it's an above board connection. <laughs> um, Ew. Yeah. 
ew. The more I think about it, because at first I was like, I'm going to try and play devil's advocate here. Who's to say? Yeah. You know, yeah. whatever. The more I think about it, I'm just like, yeah. She is taking, no. We don't need to get into it. We are no. into it, but she is yes. taking advantage of that kid and it's disgusting. Definitely, definitely. There's a lot of really um, disgraceful things about incest. This is what we talked about in our previous episode and yeah. previous Betwixie. So, Go yeah. back and listen to it. Yes, check it out if you haven't already. Is my voice really low today? <laughs> it feels a bit lower. Producer Pat says a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, Producer Pat. Not sure. No. Isn't it great how we can understand him when he doesn't speak? Yes. What's that for producer Pat? (laughs) There's a kid at the well. Oh. (laughs) Where's a well? On the roof. In the (laughs) Rosenkracht. Okay. I'm sorry. I derailed. That's absolutely fine. (laughs) Um... That's fine. We're having Prosecco. We're having Prosecco. So, in terms of discovering family secrets and DNA, uh huh. what are you all about to say? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> is she pro setting me up right now? <laughs> yeah. She just wants to sit back with that Prosecco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is. Okay, cool. So... I talked to my dad, Mm -hmm. and my dad was so casual about all of this information Mm -hmm. because that generation is just like, oh, yeah, we got secrets. Who cares, eh? (laughs) Um, But, okay, so I'm going to try and get this straight because I haven't actually looked at this information since last week because Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to go over it last week. But you guys get cozy because these are the family secrets of... The Camry family DNA testing. Kind of wait. Uh, so my dad got really into um, genealogy and trying to trace where the Camry family came from, and not only our family but my mom's family, which is the the Kleins. And um, he found like as we were talking about it, we we like kind of just briefly touched on everything. He just started, like, divulging all this information that I had no idea about, but he knew it like the back of his hand. He had mm. kind of memorized it. He cleaned off an entire computer just to dedicate it to this stuff. I asked him, I said, like, Dad, why are you interested in this at all? Mm-hmm. And he said he didn't have extended family growing up, no cousins or whatever. His dad was an only child, and no one really talked about their family history ever and so he's always been curious he's always interested to have the information for us he thought it was um really interesting to have it not only on a on a health for health reasons Mm -hmm. but also just to kind of keep the lineage going and understand our roots and he's fascinated with it and he didn't want to have any regrets which I thought was really interesting. Really? Yeah, because he said I have an aunt Butchie who he didn't get to know that well and he regrets that. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. so he kind of like dove into it before kind of he missed the opportunity to reach out to anybody that he could possibly that he so he wouldn't regret it. Right. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I found that really um, interesting because I said the same thing about regretting it with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I wish that they had lived longer because I was quite young when they died. 
but I regret not getting to be able to know them mm-hmm. and know them better. In fact, I've recently um, grown out my fingernails excessively long. This is the longest I think I've ever had them. I used to bite my nails a lot. And now that I haven't bit them, they're quite strong so they can grow much longer. Mm-hmm. The only reason being is because when I put them out away from me, they look like my grandma's hands, like oh. almost identical to my grandma's hands. And I don't know if that's creepy or not, but she just, she always had hands like this with these wide knuckles and almost thin between long fingernails that were in this shape. Yeah. And she always would tickle your back or your arm. She'd always be sat there just like tickling in one hand and then uh, gambling in the other. Oh my God. (laughs) I love your grandma. She was fantastic. She had like (laughs) this like basketball uterus section like right above her vagina was like a basketball shape just this little puff right here which I imagine is probably just from like wine who knows <laughs> you know and like yeah but she was thin and had this like silver streak through her hair and cool and these long nails and she just like would just talk straight always mm-hmm. she was always straight anyway I love her so now when I look at my hands Although I don't like having long nails because especially taking contacts out is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I look at my hands and I'm just like, <laughs> I get to keep that going Yeah, <laughs> with my hands. Yeah. Anyway, it feels really special. That is. I think that's really beautiful. I don't think it's creepy at all. And I think that um, that's actually a very unique way to remember her um, and to celebrate her because mm. it's so personal. I mean, now everybody in the world knows, but before you just told it on a podcast. That was just something that you knew, and I think that's really... Yeah. No, that's special. It's so unique. Um, you can see my grandma. My Here we go. Grandma Klein. Grandma Klein. Grandma Klein. On the mum's side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, there's a couple different things, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try and keep it straight, because I was typing loosely while my dad was talking, because he just went off. I mean, he was just... Can we please give your dad an honorary position as, like expert advisor yeah family secrets extraordinaire or something yeah 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 legendary yeah because <laughs> it's gotta be yeah it's gotta, yeah it's gotta have that word in it yeah yeah we'll work on it okay we gotta have him on as yeah. well yeah. i mean yeah all right um so he said the farthest he traced back was to his mom's grandfather um and found that and found his mom's grandfather's signature on the Ellis Island papers coming over from Poland. What are the Ellis Island papers? So the Ellis Island papers are the immigration papers to the United States. So he found mm-hmm. back as early as when we, when our family lineage settled in the U.S. So this is from you. This is four generations back. Mm-hmm. So maybe a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, is that not very far? Uh, well, I don't know. I think it just depends. Okay. Um, I think that's really amazing that he's found his signature. I yeah. wonder how he felt when he saw that because that's so personal. That's somebody's yeah. writing their name in their own hand. That. So I don't know if he found further back, but I think he might mm-hmm. have found that as the farthest back concrete evidence that that person existed and is right. attached to us. Mm-hmm. Or, or the, the farthest back effect. That he found, mm-hmm. which was the signature. Yeah. Um, 
And so, and then my dad says, um, he's buried in Chicago with two random people because our family couldn't afford a grave. So they would do mass graves and just chuck a couple people in and that saved you money. So he basically has like, like a wholesale grave wow. buried in Chicago somewhere. Yeah. Um, and blah, blah, blah. And then I said, you know, dad, he's a family historian because it gives you a sense of who you are and where you're from. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I broke it to him that the alcoholism is what has been passed down infected to me. And he was like, huh, I guess that's true. Um, he's much smarter than that. I'm just making him sound. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually more like, um, yeah, Elizabeth, I guess so. Mm-hmm. I guess so. He's quite reflective mm-hmm. and yeah. 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 And very, very sweet and considerate. Okay. So here's what's here are a couple of the these this is a little bit of the tea. Mm-hmm. I have an aunt Toots. Oh my god. Who lived until she was a hundred and two. Fuck off. No, I a hundred and two. I don't have to do this podcast with you, I'm gonna say. <laughs> 102 years old so she's on my dad's side she's our aunt butchie who is my dad's okay so dad's mom was aunt butchie's sister so Mm -hmm. my grandmother's sister Mm -hmm. yeah so she's your great aunt Mm -hmm. my great aunt and there's Aunt Butchie. And then Aunt Butchie had a cousin, Aunt Toots. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Toots and Aunt Butchie were inseparable. Um, and <laughs> Aunt oh Butch God. and Aunt Toots. I can just imagine them like ruling the 1930s. Yeah. Like the queens that they were. Yeah. They were like... <laughs> 40s or whenever it was. They, they just sound so like um, avant-garde, non-binary... Yeah against the grain kind of they don't open their mouth much but when they do you feel immediately less cultured than them. yeah <laughs> even though i don't know if that was the case they were just very uh philly content um okay so here's here's what's kind of interesting mm-hmm. um aunt toots i believe Aunt Toots. I might be getting this wrong because it might be Aunt Butchie. I I should have typed this out better. But Aunt Toots had a baby Mm -hmm. who died young. And it's a family secret because no one talks about it. Um, There's two stories. No one knows what happened to the child. Right. There's two stories. One, which is horrific. Aunt Toots left the child in a bathtub to do stuff. And the child died. Oh, drowned. that is a tragedy. Yeah. If that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you, it leans towards that because no one talks about it, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember, the first one is bathtub drowning, mm-hmm. which is traumatic as fuck. The second one, my dad said, or it just got sick and died. Right. Which people would talk about you know a little bit more I I don't think they would talk about it a lot but it would be understood yes although perhaps if Aunt Toots had uh, if she went into a depression Mm -hmm. or she had a breakdown or something after this exactly 
that probably would have been so stigmatized at the time mm. maybe that also was enough for people to say let's not talk about it it's yeah. too difficult to address so i don't know i mean maybe was there um, a man on the scene or this was just like a there was a baby daddy yeah yeah there was a baby daddy um but he left pretty soon after uh-huh yeah and we don't know where the baby was we don't know where the baby was buried because mm-hmm. we could never find a grave oh at the oh we don't we still don't know where the baby is buried because the family couldn't afford a grave marker mm-hmm. there must be records though yeah. I mean your dad is kind of a super sleuth I'm sure he'll be able to find a record yeah. although it might mean going to a place and finding a record in person perhaps mm-hmm. the records have not been digitized digitized yet mm-hmm. not all records have but even if there's no record of where the grave is anymore mm. um, so you have a family mystery yeah on your hands yeah yeah, which, yeah, it's just, I just wouldn't have, yeah, it's just so tragic, and, mm. um, yeah, nowadays, I think, I, there's someone very close to me, I don't know how much of this information I can talk about, because I haven't gotten permission from these people, but there are people very close to me who, lost a baby when it was born so they had a child it was born with a lot of different issues and I think the baby only lasted several weeks right and the me and my family and their family got together Mm. for the funeral and kind of knew what happened we all wrote notes to the child Mm put it in a balloon, put all the balloons together, and then we released the balloons with all the notes and stuff. Mm. It was like a really special thing. Yeah. And I can imagine that also helped kind of, or I would assume it would might, might help the mom and dad and family, mm. you know, with that support system and had to have that moment mm. to kind of pay tribute to the child. Mm. And I can just imagine how alone aunt toots would have been i think my dad said she never had kids again after that yes. and yeah you know absolutely s- still fucking lived till 102 mm-hmm. yeah. and the way that you're that people are able to grieve now and share that and it can be spoken about and addressed and support can be gained it's it must be immensely helpful because you can acknowledge it instead yeah. of shoving people under the rug and I don't know it must have been really really difficult for Antoots to go through that yeah and her yeah. husband left immediately after yeah and um you know then she was alone and not talking about it mm-hmm. which is also I think her and Aunt Butch were so close yeah she had Aunt Butch yeah exactly um but for a long time no one was able to talk to Aunt Toots mm-hmm. because she was housing my dad's oldest brother because my dad's oldest brother and my grandfather got in a huge fight and mm-hmm. my dad's oldest brother left the house early mm-hmm. and went and lived with Aunt Toots. And so no one talked to her because mm-hmm. um, she was giving the oldest brother a home. Mm-hmm. 
And so they'd drop the kids off to visit her or whatever and pick them back up, but no one would talk to her because she was housing. And then my dad said him and his brothers used to joke about how their oldest brother um, was Aunt Toots' real son <laughs> because wow. he was always over there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, but th- my dad said that's not true. Okay. So that was just kind of a, uh, yeah. a funny rumor in the family, yeah. but not really substantiated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we have a other side of my family, mm-hmm. and which I didn't know about, but I did remember this story. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom's dad was adopted. And when he got back from the war, he married a woman who had kids already. She died, and he adopted those kids Mm -hmm. and then he got remarried uh to my grandma my mom's mom and they got married within a couple days get out of knowing each other god they even beat me (laughs) three months (laughs) yeah you got married after three months yeah they got a couple of days a couple of days wow they met each other a couple days later they were married that's so romantic also crazy, but really romantic. <laughs> wow. But I feel like you are best to understand that, almost. Because, like, three months nowadays is three days back then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Days were long and hard. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, so bold. I love it. Yeah. Let's just go down to the yeah. marriage And they were department. married for until he died, I think. Let's go down to the marriage court. <laughs> the say? marriage co- <laughs> marriage department. <laughs> <laughs> to the yeah, to the courthouse, <laughs> whatever it is. City hall. That's what you guys Hi. say, isn't it, in America? City hall. I'm looking for swimsuits <laughs> and a marriage <laughs> certificate. You have those here. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and flip flops. I fucking hate flip flops. I'm sorry. Pat, <laughs> you never get to wear flip flops in this recording room. <laughs> I hate them. I don't get them. Um, okay, so uh, they married within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the adopted sons of his previous marriage didn't get along with my grandma very well. Right. And then this is what happened that I remembered that I couldn't quite iron out, which is a little bit more hairy than I imagined. My grandmother introduced some... Uh, introduced the son as her son at my parents' wedding. Said, this is my son, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I just won't say his name for whatever reason. This is my son, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he fired back, you're not my mom. Right. And how old was he at the time when she announced him as her son? A young adult. Okay. Like... I, I don't know how old he mm-hmm. was, but, like, my mom is 15 years younger than her older sister. Okay. And the older sister came after these children. Mm-hmm. So he must have been... My mom was getting married at 20, so he must have been minimum 20 years older than that. Mm-hmm. So he must... Oh, not even a young adult. He must have been, like, 40-something. Mm-hmm. And he fired back, you're not my mom. Right. I mean, his mom passed away, and his dad married my grandmother within days, mm-hmm. and they didn't get along. Mm-hmm. And he fired that back, so yeah, we, we we they severed ties with that side of the family. They they severed ties with the adopted children. Mm-hmm. The the adopted children were then 
just kind of on the outskirts, even though I think my grandfather, my dad said my grandfather loved them. Right. And and kept close with them, but yeah. my grandmother mm. wouldn't speak to them, wouldn't let them be mm. a part of the family and stuff like that. It must be so hard being um, denied in that way and told, well, you're not the mom, especially in a public setting. Yeah. However, maybe it's not that you're the mom, maybe there's something else, there's some other mm. way of defining that. And I don't know, I think that family really just is complicated and the definitions that we apply, the words yeah. that we have to use aren't always adequate for the yep. nature of the relationship, especially if it isn't a strong one, which it wasn't in this case. But yeah, it's a tricky one. The severity of her reaction shows me like the time is a timestamp because mm-hmm. this is what we're talking about with like no, no one has been talking about these things Mm. until now and the severity of it like just wouldn't happen today I don't think there might be like how dare you disrespect me kind of thing Mm -hmm. but maybe when we're talking about this or we have the opportunity to reflect on these situations and not like let history repeat itself or grow in some Mm -hmm. way we can find a new term that is more successful Mm -hmm. and bonding for both sides but mm-hmm. in this case, it was such a matter of disrespect. Mm-hmm. And like, yes. because your rep- reputation as a mother was on the line mm-hmm. and held so much more weight than it does now, I mm. think. Mm. I mean, I think your reputation as a mother in terms of how you treat your children still matters a mm. lot. But as far as being like stepmom or if somebody told me they were um, a conscious parent uh, who has you know been uh, emotionally devoted to this person and I was like oh that's the modern term for stepmom I'm into Mm -hmm. it that's fine yeah it makes you wonder was the term stepmom around at the time Mm. Um, or maybe it was but it was considered derogatory in some yeah. way yeah I mean what was going on there because yeah obviously there's a lot of stigma yeah happening yeah definitely stigma and oh mm-hmm. um, my dad said so um he introduced someone as her son and they spoke after that at the wake oh this is what it was mm-hmm. At the wake, um, the son was on the opposite side of the family as my grandmom, and they didn't speak, even at my grandfather's funeral. They wouldn't come together. Right, yeah. And then my dad said that he loved them, and the daughter... You know, I have to say I get that, though. What? Sorry to (laughs) interrupt you, but I think um, a public setting is not necessarily the right time to be like, so... We've got years and years of issues that we should probably <laughs> yeah. start to resolve. So yeah. I sort of understand why it would have been too hard, especially at something like a wake where people need to be really respectful and perhaps having that conversation there would have just brought up too many issues. But then it also means you go yeah. through another family reunion of some kind mm-hmm. and there's tension and there's problems and there's all these kind of things and nothing gets resolved. Um, anyway. But, well, exactly. And also, someone has died. And yeah. you're processing that information. Exactly. There are That's times true. when I yeah. you know, I can't handle somebody else's whatever because I have gas. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Someone else is like, are you even hearing me? And I'm like, I yeah. am in pain. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. You do you right now because I can't even process it. So I'm going to be on the yeah. other side of the room. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's another crazy thing. Yeah. My, what I, well, just on the back of that, what I thought was really interesting was um, that my dad said, like, they had such a strained relationship that the daughter, um, I, I don't know who, my and my dad doesn't know who, and that's why I think this is such a brief note that I can't really um, interpret, but one, somebody who was connected to the daughter, the adopted daughter or the adopted son would visit um, their family, but when my grandmother came in the front door, they would sneak out the back door, or mm-hmm. vice or vice versa. So because of that one comment, mm-hmm. which is is a societal stigma, it must mm-hmm. be period. But it must be yes. that. Yeah, because it can't be that. I mean, she did take care of them. Mm-hmm. I think for a bit. So anyway, all right. Here's the other crazy thing. Um, the adopted daughter mm-hmm. married my grandmother's brother. Okay. Hold so, up. So, hey, my, my, my grandmother's adopted daughter because of, because, because he, okay, because her husband mm-hmm. had adopted those children from his deceased wife. Yeah. So, my grandmother's adopted children through marriage, um, one of them, the daughter, married her brother. So the adopted daughter married her step-uncle. Yeah. No, her uncle. Yes. Yeah. Her... Married her yeah. step-uncle. Yeah. Step-uncle. Uncle, <laughs> I don't know. Is that a, did we just coin a neologism? <laughs> Listeners, tell us. Yeah, um, adopted daughter. She married. It says she married grandmother's brother. She married her stepmom's brother. That is really intense. So not only is there a familial relationship that was pre-existing, because in some way this man was probably performing an uncle role in this daughter's life, but. They've actually gotten married. So how old was the adoptive daughter when she would have met the uncle? Do we know this? Because that really makes me wonder, was she a child or... Couldn't I? I mean, if she was adopted, obviously she was a minor. Well, she was adopted by an adopted my adult. grandfather when their mom passed away. Yeah. And so... And then, and then he met my grandmother so yeah. there could have been many years between that mm-hmm. she could have been of age by the time they married and then yeah. past age appropriateness by the time she fell in love with her stepmom's brother god the plot really thickens doesn't it yeah um i wonder what your grandma would have thought about that i think she knew yeah i think she knew but i i don't know how she felt about it yeah and i don't know if yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's her brother. Surely she would have known. It's her brother. Who he's marrying. I had no idea about any of this. Not even close. Not even close. You scratched the surface, actually. Mm-hmm. And 
really start to uncover some stuff Mm -hmm. it's pretty fascinating that you might think oh no there's probably no secrets in the family maybe someone does a little bit of this too much or maybe someone was rumored to have slept with a celebrity you know (laughs) b-grade celebrity or something like there's nothing (laughs) major but actually Mm. once you start going back into history Mm. um this is incredible though there's quite a few and on both sides of the family both sides of the family yeah yeah yeah, I always, I remember as a kid, I really always, I always wanted to get to know Aunt Toots because I yeah. heard that name and I heard that she lived to 102. So when I was seven years old, I was like, she's 45 million dogs. She's so cool. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, dog ears and whatever. Like, yeah. As a little kid, that was like my only reference of that large of a number. <laughs> um but yeah, my dad said Stan Yazerski was our great grandfather, and he's the one who changed his name to Lake because, and that he has a signature of because of the discrimination against mm. Polish people when they came to the U.S. Yes, um, and all of, so when I did my answers, I did my DNA testing. Three people reached out to me: one person who knew my grandmother, and then one person who shot a bunch of last names at me. Um, and one of them stuck, which was McCann. That has mm-hmm. something to do with it. And Wit. And Wit is my uh, grandma on my dad's side's mom's mom's mom. Mm-hmm. Is Wit. And then, yes, Daniel Zersky was changed to Lake, and I know a bunch of lakes. Actually, I had, and my cousin Jimmy Lake, which I can say because mm-hmm. I'm about to praise him. Um, he helped me move here. He is an amazing family member who I've never met before. Uh, oh, I might have, but I think I was a baby. Yeah. Um, he lived in Amsterdam forever. And when I first moved here, I needed housing so bad. And he was like this little Amsterdam legend that someone was like, oh yeah, like I know your cousin Jimmy. If he helps me write lyrics for my new album, you can stay in my studio apartment for free for a month. What? And I was like, Cousin Jimmy, <laughs> you hooked me up. And he did. That is so cool. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. So he's a songwriter. Or dabbles. I don't know what he does. Apparently. I don't know what he does. I hardly know him. He's since moved to Portugal. So I haven't, when I moved here, he had moved to Portugal. So I don't know him that well. But the invite's open. I'm definitely going to mm. go and visit him. He's super cool. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Lake, uh, which used to be a Yazerski. I love then, it. Yeah, he changed his name. I just find that fascinating to like change your name at Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine just coming yes. over and how scary it is to come to a new world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I can imagine that at the time, people were really fearful um, of foreigners. There was so much more. Um, it must have just been so difficult for people. Yeah, oh shit. They might do what we do to Native Americans. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh. One of the people that I spoke to in my research project, um, he discovered that his dad changed his name as well. Maybe around the same generation too, around the, um, the 30s, because he had a, um, a Jewish surname and he found that he um experienced huge amounts of prejudice and he didn't want that for his kids and so he changed his name to in the hopes that his kids would lead a life um without so much prejudice 
I mean, it was the 1930s. So um, probably one of the most difficult times in history yeah. to have a Jewish name. Yeah. And I think people did that. You can see how the parent is doing so many different things to try and um, create a different life for their child. And it's yeah. really admirable because with your name comes perhaps part of your identity, particularly if it's a name that's special to that language. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gone from a Polish name to a pretty generic um, English word. Yeah. Name. Gea- gea- yeah. Geographical item. <laughs> yes. A lake is a geographical item. <laughs> um, I've had some Prosecco. I've had some Prosecco. <laughs> yeah. But imagine the fire of anger that yeah. would come. For me, the fire of anger that would come from my insides if I changed my name and then suddenly I was a part of the community. I would be like, fuck you. What in the fuck is different? You're an asshole. Yeah. And for that's sure. all it is is a couple of letters strung together that were passed down and that mean absolutely nothing because you're a human being, you're a great human being. Yeah. Uh, I would just be so livid. Yeah, absolutely. I think the discrimination that you would have copped, though, I mean, you would have maybe you would have just seen it as a survival strategy. If I just make this one tweak, mm-hmm. then different pathways will open up for me and future generations. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fucked completely. And it's wrong. He's, but he's able to do that. Yeah. And imagine, I mean, I can't, but it's just a step further where you can't change the color of your skin. Right. You can't. See, he was able to change his name mm-hmm. and st- nip that in the bud mm-hmm. right there. Right then and there. And you just can't if you, if you're judged based on the color of your skin. I just, it makes me sick. I wonder if he could have been excited in a way though. I'm just trying to see it from another's perspective because Mm. to come to a new place Mm. and to be really excited about the place where you're living Mm -hmm. and want to fit in and want to be a part of it and want to just get it and want to absorb into it. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Maybe that would be exciting to actually change your name and get in. Absolutely. I don't know. There's so much hope that comes with clean slates and Mm. being able to start over. Did you think when you were going to college, did you think that you would like become someone completely new and become whoever you wanted to be? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I always wanted to be a writer. Well, first I wanted to be a postman, post-delivery person. <laughs> Why? Well, I just thought um, when you deliver letters to people, you really put a smile on their face. Oh, my God. And there's so many kissed. dogs that come up to the letterbox and you could pat dogs all day. And I was like, <laughs> going to go around on my bike. Anyway, then I wanted to be a writer. And so I've always wanted to be a writer. And I am a writer. And all of the jobs that I've done, aside from being a waiter and things like that have yeah. been pretty much involved writing. I so I know you were in the service industry. Yeah. Yeah, while I was studying, I worked as a waiter and in pubs and things like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was really fun. 
Um, so then you became a writer. I guess for yeah. me, I'm like, I'm going to go to college and not be the first one to puke at every party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. That'd be pretty ideal. <laughs> yeah. No, I do remember um, when I went to university, I was like, um, I'm going to be like, I'm going to just like seek out mm-hmm. interesting people yes. and just surround myself with like the most interesting people. And hopefully they'll find me to be interesting as well. So I remember I specifically requested my freshman dorm to be in the music hall because uh, Temple was really well known for their classical music, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know. I just thought they were well known for music. And but it was all classical. And so I asked to be put on the music floor as well. My roommate was an oboist. Uh And the other one was a violinist. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Violinist. Yeah. Violinist. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to talk about purgatory, <laughs> it's listening to oboe scales yeah. and violin scales and the same damn song for six months mm-hmm. out of the year mm-hmm. from 14 brass instruments on the same floor. Mm-hmm. It's a nightmare. Our RA played the sitar. <laughs> that's why a little bit of long fingernails are triggering because mm-hmm. his pinky oh, was oh, a slip and slide oh, vomit. for germs that is so disgusting yeah disgusting yeah oh oh, that is like a prophylactic right there what's the light we're going we have a big time yeah oh an hour okay great and 20 minutes <laughs> oh <laughs> we do have questions for you we do. Yeah, because they're important, so great. We do. We were really wondering uh, whether you... <laughs> this is not going well. we were We were really wondering. We do want to know. No. We really care. We really care. I do. Yeah. It is one of the most fascinating... It, like, I like... I think... Um, <laughs> if... If with any, like, engagement is important for any podcast. But with this particularly, you're a sociologist. And so the more feedback that you get, the more insight that you get. And it's just so important and fascinating. And we love to hear from people. I've had so many different people reach out to me that have told me topics that have nothing to do with um, necessarily family secrets mm-hmm. or um, you know genealogy or anything like that but they relate to a lot of the topics that we've brought up in our main episodes and in the in the betwixies mm-hmm. that have stirred up or have reminded them of or they relate to um, in some way that have like induced reflection mm-hmm and also they've just reached out to me to talk about it because they're curious what they haven't heard or the literature that you've been talking about and any more kind of insight that would be helpful for them so um while i'm having these conversations with people who reached out to me personally i'd love to you know the more the merrier it's fascinating i would have had no idea that that might have been related to them and it is on such a um important personal level Mm. so I think these questions are so provocative in in a great way Mm. absolutely and these questions 
I mean, they're about family and about identity. It's about who we are and mm-hmm. how we move around in the world. I've had some really interesting questions and insights as well around things like what it's like to be a mother and to listen to this podcast yeah. and think about that and how you protect your child and yeah. um, about rethinking things because you might hear a snippet of somebody's story or have a particular perspective of them. But then when you actually sit and listen, um, there's a lot more there. Yeah. And I think that's a really, a really beautiful reflection as well. Um, it, it does make us think that every family has something. Yeah. As soon as you start scratching the surface, I mean, you didn't mm-hmm. even realize until you spoke to your dad recently, Biddy, yeah. that all of this fascinating stuff is actually knitted in to your family history. And that's something we're really interested to find out from our listeners. Do you have any crazy or fascinating or um, famous or interesting people in your family tree? Do you have any colorful characters mm-hmm. and the story of, of them and who they are, mm-hmm. or maybe the mystery around them? Maybe that's something that is um, been handed down to you and it's part of your family lore, L-O-R-E. Um, maybe you've discovered something unexpected yourself from a DNA test. For example, you had no idea that you had a certain percentage of um, a particular ethnicity in your um, family tree, in your DNA. And of course, these are always just estimates, but it can be really surprising actually to discover something like this when you thought it was a particular thing and you were always told this and then you take the DNA test and you find out something different. And then we also thought do you have any questions about DNA testing and family secret discoveries? Are there any technical questions that you have about DNA tests, how they work? Is there anything that you want to know? We could always bring in an expert on the topic um, and yeah, give you the answers that you seek. Yeah. Asking, we shall attempt to provide. Yes. Also, like always, subscribe. Check out the link on our socials for our Patreon. If you want to become a member, we're going to be putting exclusive content on there. If you want to reach out, you can send everything to info at thesecreteffect.com. Um, we follow us on Instagram and Twitter because that's where we're going to be putting pictures of Katie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> pictures of Biddy. Yes. Producer Pat. Yes. And also um, our Twitter, we can add links to the literature that we promise. Thank you for listening. This was Betwixie 4. The Secret Effect is produced by Patrick Collins with music by Sasha Hudemacher and your hosts, Biddy Kemry and Katie Greenland.